This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. Well, good morning. If your heart didn't get pumping with that, you're probably close to death. I mean, to go to hospital. Glad you're here today, if you're unaware of this. My name is Dee Dee Bacon, and uh, it's my honor and uh, pleasure to be here with you today. Uh, I want to just say thank you. Uh, if you're a newcomer, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking time out of your day. Thank you for saying yes to the invitation of a friend. However you got here, I just want to really let you know, appreciate that you've chosen to be here with us uh, to worship to listen, to partake in the things that we do as we try to be the church that uh, God called us to be. If you're not a newcomer, and this is a a regular place for you, good to see you. And I'm equally thrilled that you're here. Uh, God is working in our church, and it's just actually mind-blowing to see. Thank you to everyone that supported our trip to Houston with prayers and likes on our Facebook posts. Isn't it amazing that the, the post that got the most attention was that silly little uh, thing we did with the uh, statue mannequin thing? But it's what happens when flights are delayed and you're traveling for like 10 hours anyway. Also, I want to thank everyone that participated. You know, we had the honor of partnering with a number of local agencies in our community yesterday to be a source of hope to families that are struggling to find meals to eat. We were a food bag, a food pantry yesterday, and so you saw some of the canned goods out front there. Um, that's what we did and had the honor to serve and do that part. It's because we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the hope of the world. And so if we can uh, feed the hungry, we can feed the hungry with the uh, smile and the message saying, We're doing this because we have found the bread of life, and you too can have that bread uh, if you are willing to believe as we believe, if you're willing to accept Jesus and God's love for you. And so it's just an honor and thrill to see God working in our church, and it's an honor and thrill to be here with you today. Continuing our message, and uh, I'm going to start off by telling you, my youngest son likes to tease me, you know, whenever one of my sons... Uh, this, you know, it's a natural thing with sons, right? There's always this competition with the old man, dad kind of thing going on. So whenever something cool's happening with one of my sons, they like to, you know, say, hey, dad, guess what I'm doing? Ha, ha, ha. So I was getting a lot of those kind of texts and pictures from my youngest son, Andrew. He and his girlfriend had been given tickets to go to a Reds game. They'd gone to the Lexus Diamond Club. And so I'm getting pictures of, oh, look at my view right here behind home plate or check the food, Right. Uh, Lexus Diamond Club, if you're familiar with it, is a kind of a, a special place to be part of. I was looking on the website. Now, they got the tickets from a friend, so, you know, it's not like they paid for it. But it was a, a great opportunity. Looking at the website, this is how it describes what you do, what you get as a Diamond Club member. Here it is. Access to upscale, an upscale buffet, whatever that is. Upscale, up, up, upscale buffet and full beverage service. Access to private the private Lexus Diamond Club Lounge, where you can relax in a comfortable climate-controlled environment. Climate control is just a fancy way of saying AC, um, right? Diamond-controlled, climate-controlled environment complete with big screen TVs to watch the game. 
You're able to have a pre-game gourmet buffet, which is available when the gates open and stays open until one hour after the game starts. You're also able to have whatever food you want brought to you by waiters and waitresses to your seats while you watch the game. I mean, that's living, and you can get whatever you want. Apparently, it's free, uh, and uh, I know my son, and I know what he probably, he ordered whatever he could, whenever he could, because he's my son. Um, it says, season ticket members receive invitations to exclusive special events as well. So you get these promotional events. Nice. Membership has its privileges. And if you're a member of the Lexus Diamond Club, you enjoy all these privileges when you go to a Reds game. Now, it's interesting to, to note that uh, the word membership is also applied. It's an appropriate application. It's a biblical word, if you'd like. Uh, it's applied to those who are part of the body of Christ, the church, a community of faith that gather in a place to worship God through faith in Jesus, gather in a place to be a community fulfilling the mission of God, loving God, loving people. Uh, the word membership is, is applied to that, and so it's appropriate for us to say, I am a member of the Mount Carmel Christian Church. That's a totally biblical language and approach to, to use that uh, thinking when it comes to being part of a church. And so if we're members of the church, if we're members specifically of this local congregation, the question then is, well, okay, what does the Bible say in terms of your privileges? If membership has its privileges, what does the Bible say about being part of the church, part of the Christian church, part of the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ? And the cool thing is there's a number of places in Scripture, I'm going to point to two in particular, where it details what it means to be a member of the church. Peter, the apostle, this is what he wrote. He said, but you, and he's referring to the church, he's referring to individuals who have given their life to Jesus and are gathering on a regular basis with other Jesus followers, doing life together, seeking to, to walk together in faith, fulfilling the purpose and mission of the church. He says, but you are a chosen people. I mean, you are a selected individuals, selected individuals, selected by God to be the family of God, to be the people of God, right? You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You're not just a, a regular priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. You are a part of royalty. If God is the king and you are the children of the king, you're not only your royalty and your priesthood. You are the individuals that facilitate connection between others and God. That's what he's saying. A holy nation, a nation set apart for, for God, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Apostle Paul says in Ephesians something similar. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become the ho a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I read the scripture and I'm reminded, and it's something that's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine, the church is not this building, Okay. God is done with dwelling in a building, in a temple made of stone and brick and whatever we put together. No, his new dwelling place is in the hearts of his people, 
And his people are those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. That is, those who are believers, those who are Christians. You are being built together to be a building, he says, the temple of God. The temple of God is the people of God. And so we don't go to church. We go to be the church. People say, are you going to the church? I mean, uh, you mean I'm going to the place where the church meets? Let's be specific because that's what it's all about. That definitely beats the Diamond Club membership, though, right? I read that, I'm like, wow, take that, Diamond Club. Who needs that? Royal priesthood, chosen, child of God, inheritor of all the blessings that God gives. Membership has its privileges. Now, if you've ever gone to the Reds game and you try to get into the Diamond Club and you try to walk in without a ticket, you're not going to get in. That's the truth of the matter, right? In order to get to the Diamond Club, you have to have the Diamond Club credentials, the ticket that shows that you belong, that you have membership to enjoy the privileges offered by the Diamond Club. Well, I would say it's the same thing for the church. And the question becomes is, well, what are the credentials that individuals need to present in order to be identified as members of the church of God, the church of Christ, members of God's household, individuals receiving the blessings and the privileges that are offered by God and witnessed by the scriptures that I just read. What is the indication that you belong? Well, as we've been working through this series, the Bible is clear. Membership in the church of God is indicated by the presence of God's Spirit working in the life of the individual as they commit to be part of a family of faith called the church. What's your ticket to receive the blessings, the privileges, the membership? The Spirit of God working in your life, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus who's been given to us when we came to faith in Him. The Spirit of God working in our lives, bringing about the transformation and change and ministry and opportunity that, that, that God provides. The Holy Spirit. See, the church didn't exist until the Holy Spirit came. And in fact, as you read Scripture, you realize the church is a movement of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had rose from the dead and he told his Followers, his disciples, hey, guys, I'm about to go back to the Father. This stage of my work is complete, but I'm handing over the ministry to you. I'm handing it over to you. And in order to facilitate that, I know you're you're, kind of getting upset because you realize you won't be with me, but I want you to know this is a good thing because something is better that is coming, and that something that's better is my spirit. And my spirit will be me with you. And as I'm with you, because of the ministry that we will do through the spirit, I will be able to be with all of those as well who come to faith through your message from now to the end of time, from now until I return to gather my people to me to take them to the home that I prepared. And so... He says to his disciples, hey, I'm going back. He returns to heaven, and he, he's, they're told to wait, to go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait until the Holy Spirit is sent to ignite, to begin the church. And so if you have your Bibles, we have that day described for us in Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, it's a festival, a feast. They were all in Jerusalem 
together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And as I read this, we see here a foundational principle that is carried throughout the Bible and the New Testament, throughout what it, uh, the Scriptures that teach us what it means to be Jesus followers. Here it is. The Holy Spirit is the power of the church. The Holy Spirit is what makes us as the church different from every other kind of do-good organization in the world. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit began the church. The Holy Spirit equips the church for ministry and mission. The Holy Spirit is the mover and shaker of the church. And those of us who are interested in becoming the church and seeking to be the church as Jesus intended, who have committed ourselves to be part of a church family, and let's just say it, who've committed ourselves to be part of this local church family, if we've made that commitment, then it's imperative for us to understand that if we're going to be the church as Jesus intended, we have to give ourselves to living by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to give ourselves being committed to be as individuals walking in the Spirit and as a collective being a church described as filled with the Spirit. Now, why am I getting passionate about this? Well, I'm getting passionate about it because in practice, we have a problem many times in that we try to do church by our own plans, our own power, and our own preferences. We have a problem in which we don't necessarily like to submit ourselves to the Spirit's lead, and instead we like to manufacture other systems and thoughts and practices that are not from the Spirit. We say, well, you know, we're a gathering, and we see that uh, the gathering of a, a group, we have to operate by certain laws and practices. And so, you know, we, we think it's a good system, the American system of, of voting and making decisions by vote because, you know, the church is a democratic thing. We, we believe that, and so we decide we make decisions by vote and by all that politicking. And we say that's how we, that's not what the spirit, that's not spirit-driven, it might be good for civil government. It might be good for democratic process. But the church, the church is spirit-led. This church is spirit-led. And the operation of the spirit is to rise up shepherd leaders who are filled with the spirit, who provide leadership in a, in a manner, in the pattern of Jesus to lead the church. We don't vote. We're not making votes to make every decision. No, we, we're led by the spirit. Well, you might think, well, being spirit-filled means that we have some kind of fireworks happen every time we gather, emotional outbursts, crying, and all the stuff that many folks decide is being filled with the spirit. And, and we might say, you know, the, the, it's all about making sure we have, have that happen every Sunday. I'm always wondering, why is it the spirit only shows up 10 o'clock at church on Sunday? Is that, is that, is that what his limitation is? But that's not being filled by the Spirit. That's not what the Bible describes as the signs of what it means to live by the Spirit. Maybe we make church about our own strength. We forget that we think that church is about 
education, and so we're all about doing classes and providing studies, and if we study and we do enough classes, then everything will be right, we'll be where God wants us to be, and that transformation will occur, and, and so we make it about, you know, studying, and we forget that it's not about studying, it's about learning to live Scripture in harmony with the Spirit, because the work of the church is a Spirit thing. Sometimes we forget, and sometimes we practice things that allow things slip in in our thinking, in our minds. We forget that the work of the church is a Holy Spirit thing and not something to be done by our own resources and our own manufactured markers that indicate life change. Uh, I'm going to use an illustration that I uh, came across from a man named John Ortberg, I think really captures well sometimes the way we approach this said, you know, some folks believe that church, in order to manufacture the life change that occurs in church, in order to manufacture what we would say are the evidence of God working in our life, we wouldn't use the language evidence of, the, of spirit-filled. Sometimes they believe that it's, it's, it's a matter of effort. And so if you think of the work of the church, the purpose of the church as a journey across the ocean, these folks think that that journey has to be made by us being in rowboats pulling our own weight. They think transformation occurs by our own efforts. But what happens if you try to row a boat across the ocean? And I'm talking not just a puny little ocean. I'm talking about a big ocean, the, the ocean, Atlantic Ocean. A, you're going to be exhausted. You're never going to get there. B, uh, more than likely, you're going to fail and be in serious trouble. It's not going to happen, is it? But that's what a lot of folks try to do. They, they try to muscle the, the work of the church. They try to control it. They try to make it about their own efforts, their own talents, their own, their own way. Then on the other extreme, we've got folks that believe, well, you can't do it on your own efforts. All the power of God. So what they do is they just sit back and relax and sit and say, we will just wait on the movement of God. We rely on the grace of God. They ultimately, in my view, spiritualize laziness. It's like, well, what are you talking about, Dita? I'm talking about uh, individuals, preachers like me who come to the pulpit and they say, well, today I didn't prepare anything. I didn't prepare a message because I'm wanting the Holy Spirit to speak to me. And I know some of you have experienced folks like that. That is not Holy Spirit. That's called laziness, right? That doesn't honor God. And I don't believe the work of the Spirit is, is meant to be by effort or by simply being passive and drifting, I think a better image for us as a church to be filled with the Spirit as individuals and as a collective is, is the sailboat. You got the, you got the rowboat and you got the raft, got the raft, and there it is, got the raft, and now the sailboat, and now the sailboat. <laughs> How does a sailboat work? Well, the sailboat in of itself cannot generate movement, right? The sailboat doesn't operate by its own power. Yet the sailboat with its sailors are not passive, are they? The job of a sailor is to be sensitive to the blowing of the wind and to develop the skills in order to submit to that blowing of the wind to set the sails to be caught by the wind. And when the sails are caught by the wind, guess what happens? You have movement. You have movement. 
And I don't believe it's, a, it's, it's any mistake that, that John in John, Jesus in John 3 talks about the Holy Spirit in terms of wind. In terms of wind. A wind that, that cannot be explained, cannot be manufactured, but instead it blows as it goes, wherever it is, it's somewhat of a mystery and it's a wonder to behold. When the same way the Holy Spirit works and it's our job, if we're going to be those who are dedicated to live by the Spirit, it's our job to set the sails of our lives, to set the sails of our daily decisions in order to capture the blowing of the wind, in order to be ready for the wind to catch us, to be sensitive to the movements of the wind and to know how to angle our lives and angle our decisions and to, to, to hone our sensitivities towards the Spirit's promptings in our day-to-day. To say yes to the Spirit when, when, when He asks us to be obedient to the Word of God. To say yes to the Spirit when He asks us to be obedient to an opportunity to serve where He will fulfill that need, that, need, that service need with a gift so that we may bless another. How do we live by the Spirit? Well, let's continue on the sailing theme. So you decide you're going to become a sailor. So what you do, you go to YouTube and you start reading those instructional, whoa, uh, you go start going to the instructional videos on sailing, right? You learn, you get a couple books on sailing. You actually meet a guy who's an expert sailor. You inter- interview him and he tells you all about it and uh, you're like, I'm ready. I've studied and I've figured out what I'm going to do. And so you go and you rent a sailboat, you go to this beautiful place, it's a lake, you actually have your, your mentor friend there, and he gives you instructions, you go over the, the, the boat, you check everything, there's sails, you know all the terms, jib and hoist and all that, and you hoist your sails and you get ready to go, and you're ready to sail. But then you learn one very, very important lesson. No matter how well you are prepared to sail the boat, no matter how beautiful your boat is, no matter how lovely the setting is, no matter how knowledgeable your mentor is, You cannot sail unless God provides the wind, right? You cannot sail unless God provides the wind. And you realize something. Your job is not to catch the wind. Your job is to give yourself to be caught when the wind blows. To be caught when the wind blows. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. We can't catch the Holy Spirit. We can't control Him. I know we try. We try. We try with our theological teachings. We try with our mandates. If you don't have XYZ experience, you're therefore not filled with the Spirit. And if you're not filled with the Spirit, you can't be belonging to God. We try with all these things to to capture, put the Spirit in a box, but the Spirit cannot be contained. The Spirit cannot be contained. It's our job to be caught by the Spirit. Our job to be caught. A a preacher named Clayton Bell Sr. pointed this out. He said, you can't catch the wind. The wind has to catch you. If you have your sails unfurled and are ready for the adventure of obedience, if the blades of the windmill of your life are unlocked, to turn the dynamo if the wings of your soul are spread to be lifted by its currents you can catch the wind 
The wind can catch you. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is like the wind that blows where it wills. You see its effects. You can feel its force. But the Holy Spirit cannot be wrapped in a package. You can't contain him. But you can be filled by him. You cannot, you cannot tie him down, but you can be released by him. You can take the ropes off the sails of your life and catch the driving forces of his presence. You can spread the wings of your spirit to catch the currents of his power and be lifted to undreamed heights of thriving and usefulness. You can't catch the wind, but you can be caught by it. You can't take the spirit and make him fit your mold, but you can turn your life over to him and let him remold and reshape you. It's my prayer that Mount Carmel Christian Church becomes a church characterized by people who have been caught by the Spirit. Every now and then I get folks who come to me and they say, what kind of church are you? Are you a Spirit-filled church? And I have to have an ornery grin because I know what they're asking. They're asking about our worship service. They're asking whether or not we speak in tongues in worship service, whether or not we have folks rolling in the aisles and do all the things that are characteristic of, of, of some of our charismatic brothers and sisters. And so I have to smile and say, well, yes, but not in the way you think. You see, being filled with the Spirit is not about a worship service. Being filled with the Spirit is about committing to a life that submits yourself to be caught by the Spirit. And as I look in the Scriptures, what I see is the characteristics of a life filled with the Spirit have nothing to do with all the things that we've made it. No, they have everything to do with living a life submitted to God's leadership. A life lived to being the church as God intended through Jesus. And so it's my prayer that Mount Carmel Christian Church becomes a church that has been caught by the Spirit of God. And how that's going to work is that every one of us who call this church family our church home has to make a commitment to submit ourselves to spirit living. And we have to change our attitude and realize that while the church is a place to belong, a church does not belong to us, but belongs to the Spirit. And that where we're called to operate within the church as the church, to be the church, is that we have to submit ourselves daily as individuals and as a collective to the purposes of God as revealed to us in Scripture, living in harmony with the Spirit, setting the sails of our lives being obedient to the Spirit's prompting. Now, practically how that looks, well, we've given some clearer mandates from the Word of God inspired by the Spirit of God. Before Jesus left to leave His disciples, to continue the mission, to give them the Spirit, His Spirit, the Holy Spirit in their lives so that they would be able to fulfill that mission, he gave them this mandate, Matthew 28, verse 18. He said, all authority has been given to me. In other words, God has authorized me to do this. I have every right, every power, capability to get this going. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Here's your mission, church. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations means every person 
we come into contact with with no prejudice. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bringing them to a point of faith, bringing them to a place where we just witness at the beginning of our service where individuals say, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept the gift that He provides. I can be right with God through faith in Jesus. I was once dead in my sins, but I've been buried, and I come back to life And I am no longer an enemy of God, but a child of God. And the indication of that is the Holy Spirit in my life, which has been given to me as a gift. Go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there's the second part of it, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is with us to the end of the age. You're like, how does that work? Holy Spirit. How is Jesus with us to the end of the age? His Spirit in us. That's the practical application of this command. Matthew 28 is called the Great Commission, and we at Mount Carmel, we want to be a Great Commission church. We want to be a Matthew 28 church. We want to be a church that fulfills the calling that we've received from Jesus and brought to life, executed through our obedience to the Spirit of making disciples. It's how we will set our sails to be caught by the wind of the Spirit. How we will make this journey on our way back home to Him. And so what that looks like in a couple of things that we've got here, practical things, is that we would ask that every one of us who becomes a part of this church, a member of this church, submit themselves first to committing to be a Jesus-worshiping community to loving God with all their heart, mind, and soul, giving everything they have to being sub- submitting their lives to Him. Ultimately, that's grounded on the fact that we are a community that will learn and live Scripture. The Word of God is given to us clearly, contained for us in the words of Scripture. We learn the Scripture so that we might learn to identify the voice of the Spirit when He speaks to us directly. We have everything we need to know that God has provided us to to be obedient to Him, to know Him contained in Scriptures. And so we want to be a community that learns and lives Scriptures. We're not about classes. We're about learning to love God so we learn to love His voice by pouring ourselves into Scripture. The Bible will always be the source for how we're to operate as a church for faith, and for our practices. We will worship God by giving our best. If this is a movement of the Spirit, it doesn't require second or thirds. As a church, God calls us to a mission that is far greater than anything else we're involved in. And so what He calls for is our best, not secondhand stuff to be donated because we want to get it out of our attic, but our first, our best, We celebrate the evidence of God at work in our lives. In order to be part of living by the Spirit, we better be aware of the Spirit's work and celebrate. And so when people are baptized and come to faith, let's celebrate. If folks are going to Houston to work in the lives of of families that have been devastated by Hurricane Harvey, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate the prayers offered. Let's celebrate the life change. Let's celebrate the the folks whose whose transformation has occurred as they begin to to learn about Jesus and, and live a way that's different from the life they used to live or wanted to live, a life that really is life. Celebrate. We make prayer our first ministry moves. Whenever we're faced with a decision, the first move is not to stand up, but to get down on our knees 
Because this is a movement of God. This is a movement of his spirit. And if we're going to move forward, we want to move with him. And prayer puts us in line with that. We're committed to being one in Christ. If we're going to be one in the Spirit, it means we'll be one with each other. If we're all committed to one mind, and that's the Spirit's mind, then we can, while we're different, from all different shapes and sizes, from all different economic backgrounds, from all different educational perspectives, while we're so different, we will become one. And committing to oneness is something that we're called to do as individuals who are living by the Spirit. If you're grumbling, dividing, gossiping, doing things that are causing division in the church, you are offending the body of Christ. You are going against the Spirit. We give in order to resource mission. We don't give so we can have a fat bank account and look glowingly at the offering numbers. No, we give because everyone who gives what they are blessed with by the Spirit's provision, we give in order to fulfill the calling we have, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded you. The second thing is that we want to be a disciple-making community. In order to be filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, it's important we make this commitment to not only love God, but love others. The basis of loving others is born out of our commitment to loving God. And so what does that look like? Well, first of all, uh, we feel like it looks like we become a community of belonging. What does it mean to belong to something? Well, the first step of belonging is that the people that you belong to know your name. I mean, have you ever been a part of a group and they're like, hey, what's your, what's your name again? Uh, dude, brother, whatever? No, you don't really feel like you belong too much when people don't know your name. Well, the beginning of belonging is that every one of us takes the opportunity to get to know others' names within the community of faith. But more than that, we get to know their name and we get to give ourselves to give what we've been given by the Spirit to bless them. To bless them. We're going to be a community of serving. Holy Spirit equips us to serve. We use the gifts that God gives us to bless those within our church family and to bless those who are outside of our church family. Why? Because we just want to do good? No. It's because we want to do good so that we might have an opportunity to tell others that don't know Jesus about Jesus. Because the Spirit of God is, is a membership, a privilege that is not exclusive to the people we like and the people we know. No, it's an, it's, it's an offer to all who would say yes to Jesus. And God has asked every one of you who are members of his church to be his messenger to the people he assigned you in the circles of influence that you find yourself in. Third, we want to be a community of disciple training. We say it this way. We will equip, encourage, and enthuse. Equip means we'll give you the tools. Encourage will give you the uh, confidence. And enthuse will give you the, the excitement and motivation to do what? To be Jesus followers, Jesus disciples who train up other Jesus disciples and the form we'll do this in is in recognizing it's not going to happen primarily in the large group gatherings, but it's going to happen in the small group gatherings, in our small groups, in our discipleship groups where one disciple maker meets with three others who will become disciple makers themselves. 
And we're going to go strong. That means we're not going to talk about foo-foo stuff and how terrible the Bengals are likely to be this year. No, sorry, that just came out of me. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to talk about life stuff and what it means to live and applying the Word of God so that we might live in harmony with the Spirit. And we're going to go slow. Why do you go slow? Well, we're going to slow is the heartbeat of a relationship. You can't rush change. Too many times we think change comes by taking a pill and having some major experience that changed the trajectory of life. Those are the exceptions. Life change usually goes slow because it goes at the pace of a heart. And heart work is hard work that takes time. And that's how it works in the church and how God is transforming people through His Spirit. Small, strong, and slow. The Holy Spirit is the power of the church. My prayer is that Mount Carmel Christian Church will be a church where we will be described as folks who have been caught by the Holy Spirit, by the wind and power of the Spirit. We will operate by the power of the Spirit, be the church as Jesus intended. It means every one of us here at Mount Carmel have that responsibility. It's not just the responsibility of, of our leadership, our staff, our elders, our ministry leaders. No, it's the responsibility of every member of this church. The mandate is for all, all who are filled with the Spirit. Every one of us who call Mount Carmel Church their church home to commit themselves to be a community of loving God and loving people, to be people who are characterized by living life in the Spirit. Will you make that commitment? If you're new, here's the deal. You can't get the Holy Spirit until you make a faith commitment to Jesus Christ. That's just how it works. And so if you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you say, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if you accept the fact that he died on a cross, rose again from the dead, and that he provides a way, and that belief is not just believing some fairy tale story, but it really happened, and it's witnessed in the life change of those people that, that are around you and, and those friends that you know that brought you to church that have, have lived it out, lived spirit-filled life. If that's where you are and you believe, then say yes. Come to faith. You'll be blessed with the gift of eternal life and the Spirit of God in your life to help you live. And if you are a Jesus follower, I'm going to encourage you, and you're part of the Mount Carmel Church, the calling is to live a Spirit-filled life. Don't quench the Spirit. That's what the Bible says, quenching the Spirit. Stop in the flow of the Spirit in life by your own reliance on your strengths and your preferences and, 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 and just the things that you want to control. No, you've got to submit your day-to-day -to, -day to Him. Don't put out the fire of the Spirit. Putting out the fire of the Spirit is, is when you say no on a continual basis to the promptings of the Spirit, when you fail to be obedient to what's clear in Scripture, when you fail to be partners in the community of faith, doing the practices that align your day-to-day -to, -day to the Spirit. Don't put the fire out, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Because we want, I want, Mount Carmel Christian Church to be a church that's caught by the Spirit of God. And I'm asking you to make that same commitment.
So I'm going to close by praying. I'm going to ask guys who have said yes to ministry opportunity to serve by being available to pray with you. These guys are going to be up front. Two things they can do. They can pray with you on anything that, you know, need you might have. You want to pray with them right now because your heart is burdened, your, your anxiety is up, whatever's happening. You can pray with them. Also, they're here to, to maybe if you say, look, I, I need to talk more about this next step of making commitment to, to Jesus, uh, they can help you with that as well. But let's stand. I'm going to pray, and I invite you to pray with me as we close up. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit is the gift that we have, and I pray that you would help us to be a spirit-filled church, spirit-filled in the way that is revealed to us in Scripture, spirit-filled as a, as a, as a sailboat who's Sails are filled with the wind that drives forward. Wind that we don't manufacture, but wind that is the power of God given to us. Help us, Lord, to be uh, sensitive to his promptings, to, to set our hearts towards being caught by the Spirit, to being remolded and reformed and changed by the Spirit as we walk in him. Help us to rely on, on, on his fruit in our life, to rely on, on His gifting so that we might be obedient, so that we might be characterized as people filled by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.